To express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. The greatness of a community is more accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. That quote is from Coretta Scott King. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Before we get into today's show, Be The Star You Are's awesome volunteers and I want to urge you to check out our website at bethestarur.org. Go to the events tab to find exciting events we have coming up and also visit us at expressyourselfteenradio.com to check out past editions of our show. I'm Kenneth Jun, and today's Express Yourself revolves around the gift of community. So for this first segment, uh, we'll be reading a chapter from our brand new anthology entitled Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. Uh, This chapter is called The Gift of Community, and it's the inspiration for today's show. And it was written by Jovan Hunzel, who is one of our regular hosts and reporters here on Express Yourself. And with that, we can just begin. My older sister was born in Chicago, where my parents resided for the latter half of the 1990s. I, on the other hand, was born and raised in California's Central Valley. What I enjoyed the most as a kid living in a rural town was the openness. I had far more free reign to explore than I would have if I had grown up in a big city. My family family regularly took advantage of this wide open space through one of our favorite pastimes, biking. Weather permitting, my father, sister, and I would go for a bike ride at least twice a week. When I still had training wheels, we would travel on a paved path that took us through the heart of our town. Once I graduated to a two-wheeled bike, we were able to venture everywhere. After many excursions, we found our favorite destination, a canal that irrigated many surrounding farms. This canal could be followed all the way to neighboring towns and could even lead us to a point so high I swore I could see our house. As the canal diverged a few times, our adventures would differ depending on which side we chose. For example, we could leave the canal along one path and start following the nearby road. This road would lead us to a railroad only after only a few minutes. I sometimes looked up the times the train would be crossing, and upon arriving slightly beforehand, we would lay down a few coins, watch them get flattened, and then take them home to occupy a special spot in my burgeoning coin collection. Another one of the paths led us to a relatively straightforward area, perfect for having races. One day, we decided to ride at a different time, late afternoon. On our route, we found an elderly man walking and stopped to talk him talk to him as my dad recognized him from the town's Gurdwara, or Sikh temple. He explained to us that he walked the same path along the canal every day, and had been doing so for years now. Every morning he would check the Turlock Journal, or Modesto B, to learn what time sunset would be that day, and begin his walk exactly two hours beforehand. 
We soon decided to tailor the time we biked and the paths we took to meet him whenever we could. Over time, we got to know this man a little better. We learned that his wife had died almost a decade ago, and it was really after the incident that he would take this walk on such a consistent basis. He had been a devout Sikh his entire life, and eventually began sharing something inspiring from a scripture he had read earlier each day. These stories and lessons he taught us through the Sikh doctrine have stuck with me through all these years. It was through him that I learned the history of my people, including our persecution by other religious groups, and our steadfast goals, steadfast goals in spite of discrimination. I learned the key values of Sikhism, ranging from charity and inclusion to inner reflection. What strikes me most about this man is not what he taught us or what we have learned about him, but what we didn't know about him. Outside of a few isolated instances at our temple, we would only ever see him at the canal. Even though we did not know much about him, and vice versa, he always took the time to communicate with us. He became the representation of what community means to me. We help one another in our own special way. I'm ashamed to say that as I was growing up, I never fully understood how lucky I was to have him there. His wealth of knowledge on the ways of the world significantly contributed into shaping who I am today, and I am extremely grateful. Whether it is bad news on the television or a family issue, I've been able to turn, my, turn to my faith to guide me through hard times. I can attribute much of my understanding of my faith to this man. Now as a teen, I've had less and less time to bike on that path. But regardless of if I am there or not, I know that he will be there waiting for the sunset. Full of inspiring stories, sharing his wisdom with someone else from the community. And here is the activity that the chapter ends on. It's called Take a Look. Do you live in a big city or a small town? Consider the constants in your life that are unique to your community. Is a baker up, always up early making today's treats? Does the mailman smile and wave at you every day when he makes his rounds? Do your friends join you daily from opposite parts of the town? Regardless of how trivial these events may seem, they all reflect the people, places, and proceedings of your special community. Start actively looking for more instances of community involvement, especially with people you don't know. Leave home earlier or take a different route the next day to discover your environment. No matter what people are doing, they like you. Make up. They like whatever. Whatever. No matter what people are doing, they like you. Make up our community. If it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a nation to build that village and a world to found that nation. Yeah, so I think this is, again, something that I've been able to experience a lot. And I think uh, Joven really put it well with these kind of anecdotes that he included in his chapter. Um, yeah, the activity at the end talk to, talks about how you can just go out into the street and kind of recognize the constant things that make up your town or your city, or maybe you're just like block or neighborhood. And that's something I've been doing a bit more recently as I've started to you know grow older. Um I guess one of the big things that I've kind of done recently is after getting a dog, I would walk around town with her, you know, going on my daily walks. And I would just run into other dog owners, other people on the street, and we'd just talk. And it was a really nice way of communicating with people um, around my neighborhood who I actually never really talked to ever before. And I'm not like close friends with any of these people. And, you know, these are just like random passerbys that were just on the street. But it was really nice to be able to just converse with people that, you know, lived around me. And, you know, I met some of them again, and we would recognize each other and just talk. It's really nice to feel more comfortable in a place where you live. Um, yeah, and he talks also about, like, recognizing the specific actions that people close to you take, like your friends coming in from different parts of the town. Yeah, and I kind of recognized after a while that when me and my friends would go out every day, every night during the summers, 
uh, to a local park. It's it was really it was really kind of them to kind of do that with me um, to I guess engage ourselves in this community in our own special way by just traveling across it and going to this one special park every day. So yeah, I think you know recognizing these different aspects, these unique aspects of each community can do a lot to help you um, realize how your life is different from other people and, you know, how your lifestyle affects you personally. Yeah, I want to thank Joven for talking about his experiences on this chapter. I think he put them really well and really, um, in a really interesting way, using those anecdotes. Uh, it definitely provided for some interesting um, inspiration on today's theme. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment, uh, but audience, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy Charity that brings you this program. Be The Star You Are desperately needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. Operation Wildfire Disaster Relief Fund is an ongoing outreach program to help survivors of natural disasters. We need donations to help ship much-appreciated books to victims. Please donate today at www.bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. I'm Kenneth Jun, and you've been listening to today's Gift of Community-themed edition of Express Yourself Teen Radio, brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. Make sure to watch Be The Star You Are's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Be sure to also pick up our new anthology, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World at CynthiaBryan.com slash online dash store. And also make sure to stick around as we continue our show on the gift of community. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com You can express yourself. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. 
Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Empowerment. I'm Kenneth John on Express Yourself, and today's show is all about the gifts of community. Uh, for the second segment of today's show, I'll be delivering another edition of my segment on film, TV, photography, video, videography, and all that called 2020 Vision. So today I actually want to talk about a TV show I really like called Community. Um, you can probably guess how I made that connection in my brain. Um, no, but it's not just because the show is named Community, but because I think the show displays actually really cool ensemble character writing, or writing for a cast of characters as opposed to just one protagonist, in a really interesting way. And, you know, at the end of the day, what is a community but a group of people interacting with each other? So if you've never heard of it, uh, Community is a comedic sitcom about a group of community college students that come from a variety of lifestyles and backgrounds, each with their own distinct personality. Um, that might sound pretty bland on paper, uh, but if you watch the show straight away, a first-time viewer will probably be able to tell that something is a little different. Um, that, might, that might be explained by who created the show. The show is uh, extremely self-aware, sometimes almost to a fault, and it was actually created by Dan Harmon, one of the co-creators of the famous Rick and Morty. Uh, if you've seen Rick and Morty, the fact that community has a lot of meta humor and uh, self-aware references shouldn't be all that surprising because that's a pretty common thing on that show. Uh, but community takes it way further. Uh, by the way, community was made before Rick and Morty. Community takes it a couple steps further. Uh, one of its main characters, uh, named Abed, is actually a student studying film who somehow constantly refers to the fact that he and his friends are characters in a TV show. And, you know, he'll, like, predict edits and cuts and things like that throughout the show and in each episode. Uh, I should also mention that this character's persistent attempts to force the world and reality around him to fit into conventional film and TV tropes, uh, conventional plot lines, is very clearly shown to be a consequence of a social disability. Um, ultimately, having the show make the pretty much valid point that acting like the characters in a sitcom doesn't really work out in real life. So, yeah, it's pretty much a full-on satire of the conventional sitcom, uh, with almost every single episode being a genre parody of something else. Uh, but what does that have to do with its character writing? So, I think, in communities, I think community's contrarianism is a key to why these characters and their relationships are so well done. And that's not to say that any of these characters are really hyper-realistic or anything, um, not at all, really. Individually, they're pretty cartoony and exaggerated in a lot of ways. Again, being meta to the point where they reference their distinct roles in the show. And this is visualized by the way they each sit in the exact same seat at their study table in every scene. Uh, but I do think many of the core details of the characters and their relationships with each other are very nuanced and unique. And I'll just go through some of the standard aspects of ensemble writing to kind of go over why I think this and explain why. So one thing that really comes up first when someone gets into ensemble writing is trying to avoid stereotypes. If you write a cast of characters, you obviously want to have them all be different, but you don't want to have them so that they each fit this very, very cliched role of having a certain set of personality traits and a way of thinking. And uh, I guess the first thing to point out with community is that it avoids typical plot lines that arise from these kind of stereotypical characters. Um, 
it's straight off the bat, it avoids that typical TV show love story. There are these two characters named Jeff and Britta. Jeff is kind of the main protagonist. Um, but yeah, these side characters also take up a lot of time. So they're not really side characters. Anyway, Jeff and Britta are, I guess, the two male and female leads that are in that make up this love story. But they don't just get together or they don't even like have that will they won't they dynamic. They pretty much <laughs> straight out of the gate show that these two aren't really that compatible. And how they do this is by giving them character flaws that make them non-compatible. Um, like instead of having these characters have these flaws and just get together anyway and force them to be together, um, it actually develops these flaws and has these characters follow the logical logical conclusions of these flaws. Where if these two people just would not be compatible with each other, they're way too, I guess, aggressive with each other, they're way too competitive, then it's pretty realistic that they just wouldn't be together. There's no guiding hand that brings them together for the sake of a TV show love story. And this assigning of unconventional flaws and stuff is really applies to each character. And I think that's one of the main ways that um, the show makes these characters so interesting and avoids stereotypes. They have these flaws and strengths that kind of go against the predetermined stereotype of their character. So like I said, this show is very, very self-aware and it's like a parody of the normal sitcom. So these characters kind of, if you were to think about them, if you were to think about the process of writing these characters, you would start off with these very, very basic stereotypes with, oh, the dumb jock athlete, the kind of socially awkward nerd, the bookworm character who's really uptight and just, you know, yeah, who's really uptight and cares a lot about her academics to a fault and things like that. But what this, what community actually does is it assigns these flaws and strengths, flaws and strengths that wouldn't really go with these character tropes in any other TV show. So if you take Troy, the dumb football athlete character, um, he, yeah, he is um, shown to be really dumb and just he can't do things like simple math and science and English well. Um, he cares a lot of just about like looking good and being a football superstar. But the show also makes him the most mo- emotionally intelligent and understanding character. And, you know, not in just a simple cop out way of like, oh, he's very sympathetic or he. I guess is kind of kind at heart. He has, he's very well intentioned deep down. No, he's actually very, very, he's portrayed to be very, very good at actually picking up the emotional complexities of the other characters and is somehow able to uh, really respond to those in an appropriate way and care for his friends in a way that you wouldn't really expect with the first impression that you get from him. Um, And the bookworm character, the straight-laced bookworm, uh, who's named Annie, uh, yeah, she's supposed to be the really intelligent, uh, really academically focused, really uh, put together person. But the show also gives her the flaw of just being extremely childish and competitive and not just like not really just uptight, but like extremely, extremely petty and, um, you know, just worries about a lot of like menial things that wouldn't really fit her normal character. And so by having these kind of unexpected flaws, the characters become a lot more unique and well-rounded. Um, they don't just fit 
the normal mold of, oh, this person is good at this thing, but also has a flaw in this aspect. They have a lot of different complex problems with themselves that they have to work around. And, you know, they're not really what you think they would have. So, yeah, um, speaking of flaws, I think another big problem that uh, writing an ensemble cast can really bring about is the act of singling out uh, one or two characters as the problem maker or internal conflicts, just for, or just for the sake of having like an interesting plot. Uh, for the most part, this show avoids having one character being the quote-unquote wrong one every time, the person that always learns the moral in the end, or always uh, always suffer the con- suffers the consequences in the end, and the group has to teach them how to do certain things or how to behave a certain way. Um, I say for the most part, because there is a character named Pierce who is the a stereotypical kind of old, clumsy, horribly offensive and non-PC person that is part of the group. And he's actually usually maybe antagonist of a lot of episodes. But this is something that I actually really like about the show because of the way it handles it. Uh, How they treat Pierce and how they antagonize him a lot, it's not just the end of the story. The show actually develops the consequences of being the antagonist every time. Um, It actually goes through how this character of Pierce feels about being the bad guy every time, how the show the show also kind of goes into how the other characters are almost singling him out as from their friend group. And the, the group's relationship with Pierce actually sours and actually turns into a main conflict where they have to reevaluate their behavior and treatment towards others in the end. Um, so yeah, the show kind of actually subverts itself so that a flawed trope becomes an actual feature of the story where they have to confront confront that flaw and not just have it go away at the end of an episode. Yeah, um, again, like, a lot of these characters usually aren't just wrong or right most of the time. Um, Either there is a misunderstanding or there's just, like, an inherent part of their personality that creates uh, different conflicts where two people just don't get along well and then they learn to understand each other or something like that. Um, But again, like, it's not just, oh, it's a misunderstanding every single time. There are some certain uh, conflicts and problems where uh, there is actual like malice and like real character flaws where people are being mean to each other and things like that. So I think all of these conflicts are really well-rounded in how they present themselves. And the characters also come out really developed and well-fleshed out just because they interact in such a variety of ways. And yeah, again, um, furthering character development is also a big part of uh, having all these ensemble characters. If you have a group of like five, six, seven or more characters, it's really hard to give equal time to each and have each character grow in a logical way. Um, And in a way that actually results in something new, not just a tiny detail that kind of changes throughout their life. Uh, A character that actually transforms our mindset and becomes someone better by the end of a season or an arc. So how I mentioned this with uh, Pierce and uh, his like his feelings about being antagonized every time. Um, what the show does a lot is it has these conventional tropes and it has these uh, stereotypes, but it develops them further. It, they don't just end on the surface level and they don't just end at the end of every episode. Um, they actually bring these across episodes and actually confront these character tropes and address them as flaws so that they have to actually fix these problems. Um, For an example, the characters Troy and Ovid, who I mentioned, uh, 
they have this childish best friend relationship throughout the show uh, where they just go on like all these whimsical adventures. And I talked about how this show has a lot of genre parodies. And because Abed is so into movies and stuff, they have all these um, wacky, the wacky adventures based around movies and TV shows and things like that. Uh, but the show actually makes it so that this isn't always portrayed in a super healthy way. Um, the show actually makes it so that the indulging of Abed's fantasies becomes an actual real problem when dealing with heavy emotional issues. Um, these two characters eventually have to separate um, throughout the show's runtime, or I guess throughout the show's seasons. And yeah, having these colorful adventures actually presents itself as a problem because that's not exactly realistic and you have to actually address like the problems that come with being lost in a bunch of like imaginative adventures and confronting the fact that you have to face emotional issues and separation and loss and things like that. And, you know, really have to deal with like real life issues. Yeah. Um, so, you know, more things based around the ensemble char- writing ensemble characters, I think is the scope, which is something that gets brought up a lot when you have to write a giant cast of uh, characters that have to each have their own role within a story. And community is interesting. Community is interesting because the scope of the story is not all that big, but it's made to feel big. Um, Yeah, again, the genre parodies. They have these episodes where they always emulate some kind of movie or some kind of TV show where it becomes a lot larger than life. Uh, There's a famous paintball episode which takes on this uh, scope, or which takes on the style of an action movie with people like doing really exaggerated action moves and shooting shooting each other with paintballs and acting like they're like actually dying and the films or not the film the TV shows uh, look the look to the TV show actually adapts that kind of action movie style where the color grading is a lot darker and the shots are a lot more cinematic looking so the scope of the show is can actually feel quite large but also kind of feel small so I think having this giant cast of characters fit into this weird position where the show is also big and small at the same time is a really nice way to have these characters interact in unique ways where they do feel very personal and their relationships are very real, but also are very consequential in how they play out, I guess, like visually. Um, yeah, each character has kind of their own role in each story and uh, has a particular way they behave and how that affects the progression of the plot line. But also, you know, these interactions between each character are also very personal and you actually get to have like toned down conversations um, within the setting of a community college to actually develop how they really feel about each other in reality and how they um, play off of each other. So I think the scope of community is something that really lends itself well to an interesting way of uh, having an ensemble cast where they kind of have to adapt to both sides of being a small show and a large show that, yeah, again, it's just, it's a very unique way for the characters to play off each other. So yeah, really, I ultimately, I don't think community is a perfect show all in all, but even a show uh, it, it's not even necessarily a show that writes characters better than more conventional sitcoms, like maybe Friends or How I Met Your Mother. Um, I, there's an argument to be made there, but 
I think the unique way in community approaches it, its characters, makes for a really strong sense of community. Um, I, I guess that's kind of why community has uh, garnered such a weird niche audience. I don't know whether community is always like, I never know whether community is actually popular or not because it's such a weird niche show, but it's also very popular for those who watch it. And I think it also has a lot of like critical acclaim and audience acclaim. But again, there's not actually that many viewers because it's had a really run or a really um, stormy run, I guess, in the way it's played out. So yeah, um, if you've never seen it, I think you should actually check it out. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think it shows a really unique way, again, of presenting characters. It's not like the pure direct way of having uh, the audience connect with emote, connect and emote with characters, but having characters that kind of break conventional tropes to become more realistic and interesting. And, you know, it creates a stronger sense of community. And with that, um, I want to just conclude the segment. Uh, make sure to stick around, uh, audience, though, as we'll be continuing with our Gifted Community show on the next segment. I'm Kenneth Jun, and remember to pick up a copy of our newest anthology. The book is called Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, which you can find on CynthiaBryan.com slash store, Amazon, and other book retailers. Visit www.BeTheStarYouAre.org for more information about Express Yourself and Be the Star You Are. Make sure to keep listening as our show on the gift of community continues. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Empowerment.com. 
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. This edition of Express Yourself is all about the gift of community. So for our third and final segment today, we have our producer, Cynthia Bryan, on to talk about the theme of community. Welcome, Cynthia. Well, thank you, Kenneth, for having me on. It's always fun to come on where I get to talk with you and discuss whatever the topic is for today. So, you know, in talking about community, there's so many different things that community can mean to each people or to each person. And I was really interested in what you were talking about with that TV show because I had never actually heard of it. And obviously it was very involved and complicated and had a lot of uh, twists and turns. So it was, uh, you know, interesting. But what I thought I would bring to the table today, um, if you're open to it, is talking about art for the people and artists in general and how they form a community. Uh, One of the things that made me think of it was uh, I'm a member of several different guilds. For example, As we know, I am an author of eight books, and I'm a member of the Authors Guild. This is a community of writers and and authors, but, you know, obviously to be an author, you're a writer, where um, we have all joined to pool our talents so that we know what best standards are and practices, and we can collaborate on how we're going to make the publishing world work for us and the best thing for the readers. That's one of them. I'm also a member of Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television Radio Artists, so it's called SAG-AFTRA, which is a a guild that is for actors. And so when you're talking about that television show – Those people that were on the TV show community, they are all members of a community of actors, and they're part of the union, and that is a union of uh, SAG-AFTRA. So sometimes community is actually for the benefit to not just as an emotional thing, but as a support to help us with our work, and especially as artists to help us get paid fairly for what we do or to be treated fairly. You know, for example, uh, stunt men and stunt women. You've you've seen lots of movies and you're so good at knowing movies where maybe the, if you're not part of the union, maybe it's not going to be so safe for you. So there's a community for stunt people. But there's a lot of independent organizations that are flourishing across the world and across the U.S. And something that I was just reading about were artists. And I thought this was rather, um, rather fascinating. And so I'm going to, uh, to talk about um, this group, well, several groups. But one group in 1993 was a group of seven African-American Um, artists, and I'm speaking about artists like in the form of actually doing artwork, whether it is painting or sculpting, all of that. 
And they decided to renovate and revive a row of these teeny tiny dilapidated shotgun houses in Houston's Third Ward neighborhood. And what they did is they transformed old shacks into artist studios and exhibition spaces because, you know, nobody was getting any work. And what what happened is they brought fine art to an area that had been struggling economically. Now, obviously, they were really thrilled to have their work showcased, but very soon they realized that the row house's impact on the community where they lived was much uh, more significant. So today, Project Row House, or PRH as they call it, encompasses 39 buildings. I think this was a remarkable 39 buildings and an extensive network of services for local artists as well as local residents. So it was a symbolic way to show that people can think the municipality doesn't care, but the reality is that the people who live there care. So they formed their own community, and that became a collaborative process from across the city of people who understood the vision and what it meant. And that's what houses, um, those little row houses that I was talking about represent. They represent a community. So a a landscape of community arts organizations across the United States is really vast and varied. Are you familiar with any art organizations? I mean, because you're doing a lot of work when you talk about your, you do a lot of research with 2020. So Mm -hmm. are you familiar with community arts organizations as well? Um, sorry, no, not, not really. really. Okay, really well, it doesn't any. matter. I'm, I'm going to just give you a few little insights and into things. But, um, but I know your focus is more on the film, which I think is, um, you know, and more modern things. But anyway, by operating outside of traditional networks of museums or galleries, you know, because you know, a lot of people can't even afford to go to museums and galleries are very expensive. So independent art groups, they have the freedom to engender creativity and connection. Now, in San Francisco, there is something called the Gray Area Foundation for the Arts. And what it is, it's an organization that is responsive to communities' needs. And what they have learned is that they reach out to many different cultures, communities, and that they have to constantly adapt And that is the secret of what community is. It's a collaboration of adaptation. (laughs) So arts organizations with a community focus, they aren't reliant on selling paintings on the wall. Um, And we could say the same thing, you know, for just like if it was films or whatever. And they have the flexibility that allows them to become longer term investors in a neighborhood, which is important. Now, there is um, an, un- it's once called an underground museum, and it's a vibrant community in Los Angeles. And it has an exhibition space uh, in the Arlington Heights neighborhood. And their plaque reads Ultimately, I want to change the way people view art, the way people buy art, and the way they make art. And that's a quote. And that quote is from artist Noah Davis, who founded the museum. Well, he, he founded that museum, and in 2015, three years after opening the Underground Museum, he was only 32 years old when he died of a really rare cancer. So that was really sad. And he left behind a very radical, community-oriented vision for the project. He was married, 
and his wife, Karen, was a successful sculptor, and his brother was an acclaimed filmmaker, Cahill Joseph. So he carried on the family legacy, and they turned the Underground Museum into one of L.A.'s most important cultural institutions. And I found that just very exciting because it's in a neighborhood that you would call a very frightening neighborhood. So outside of its world-class shows, they're always free to the public, by the way, and they feature art stars from, from everywhere. And it's a gathering place for the community, and it sits on this low-slung stretch of south-central L.A., alongside, you know, just kind of imagine this, because I think it just tells you what a a kind of a derelict area it's in, and it's become world-class. So it sits in south-central L.A. There are restaurant supply warehouses next door, tire shops, and there's a few Jamaican restaurants and just like takeout places. And it was an area that was previously underserved by any art of any kind. And now it has these uh, public programs that are bringing together neighbors, local artists, and incredibly, art enthusiasts from around the world. So Davis, who died, his intent was to serve the community first and foremost. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to have a very peaceful area in an area that is not known for peace at all. So he actually created a backyard that he calls the Purple Garden. And there they host dance parties and conversations and panels. They have meditation classes, yoga classes. They have farmer's markets. And in true Southern California you know, fashion, neighbors are just invited to chill in the garden. So doesn't that sound really cool? Yeah, that sounds It's really nice, like how you could just utilize that kind of like talent that you have and just create a giant community of yes. where you want it to. It was like a vision, a vision. So now going back up to San Francisco, um, it, there's a tech arcs focused, which, which I was telling you about the gray area. So this is more focused on technology, but they also recognize the power of place. And what they did is they provided to the local community educational services a physical space, and very exciting public programming seeking to level the playing field for access to both technology and artistic endeavors. You know, the Bay Area is pretty unique, right? Because its emphasis is on lightning speed innovation. um, And gray area, that foundation, they are kind of combining art and technology in a constantly shifting arena and they're offering new digital tools and frameworks to develop every day so that our artists can go there and uncover creative ways to exploit any potential that they may have and they have actually started a couple of locations they started in the bay area san francisco bay area that is in 2005 and it's currently housed in the 1940s grand theater in the city's mission district which you know, the Mission District has become a really popular, um, a popular ethnic, dis- uh, d- ethnic district, but with a lot of soul. I mean, it was very Latino for a long time. And every location, they're trying to evolve to serve the neighborhoods and the communities that already exist there. And then for the group's original digital art center, 
they actually renovated an adult film theater in in the downtrodden block of San Francisco's Tenderloin. So they put art and technology in like a, a porn theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what they wanted to do is support the communities to make them brighter and better places. And they developed a whole program around civic innovation with the city of San Francisco and actually the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, their Sensible Cities Lab, they invested in it too. And what this project has done, it's brought local artists, local innovators together to explore creative frameworks that can improve the social and civil impact right there in these, you know, crazy areas. The Tenderloin, which we know is a very downtrodden block of San Francisco and in the mission area. And what they're planning to do in the mission is to create an active community, and it's really well underway. They, um, their recent and current programs have included, I, th- I think this is amazing, a 12-week immersive studio arts course in computer science. They offer teen coding classes. They offer workshops in generative 3D modeling. They offer interactive face tracking. I don't even know what that is. Is that like with the new AI stuff? Is, I is guess so, what, yeah. Is that what face tracking would be? Okay. I think so. And they're doing, um, they're creating the different augmented narratives. So they also played a role. And this is interesting because this was all over the news. Do you remember when it was so tragic in December of 2016, the ghost ship fire in Oakland? Oh, where yeah. do you remember that? Okay, so for listeners around the world who may not know what the ghost ship fire in Oakland was, it was an old warehouse where local creative people, mostly artists and all kinds of creatives, they were able to live in this place and offer um, offer their art, do their art, do their creativity, but they also hosted dances and all kinds of things, and they had very little overhead but unfortunately there was a major major fire there um, in 2016 where dozens of people were killed and that was it was pretty horrific and it was because the place was unsafe so what the gray area has done is they distributed over 1.5 million dollars in relief and recovery funding to both survivors and family members so that the survivors could find could have other means to continue their art. So that's something that I hadn't known about, and I thought that was really, really cool. Uh But going back to Houston, so for over 25 years now, that Project Row House, it has run a world-class museum from inside that block of tiny shotgun homes. And by doing that, by, by just having this, Museum, they transformed the they transformed the whole um, neighborhood along the way, and um, uh, Rick Lowe, who he was the original executive director, he was a MacArthur Fellow in 2014. So he was able to get grants from the Ford Foundation and many other places, and in partnership with Rice University, which is in Texas, and um, and you know Katie. Kate is at Rice University, Katie Chu, who is one of our hosts and reporters on Express Yourself. So uh, they have built affordable homes nearby. They've developed ongoing support systems for young mothers 
They've offered business incubators for budding entrepreneurs. They've created economic development councils that are really integral to the future of the community. So it, it has become more than an arts um, organization, which to me is just, you know, it's really rather unbelievable how they've done this, I think, that, you know, they start in a bad area and they just, they just keep, keep going. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah, they revitalized the whole area. And it used to be what they called a, a food desert there. You know, in other words, there were, there were no good restaurants or no good grocery stores. And now there are great grocery stores and great restaurants in the area. So, you know, I think that when you decide to form a community, no matter what it is, you're recognizing that the impact on the organization organizations that begin these things really make a difference. And so now, like with talking about this PRH um, in, uh, in Houston's Third Ward, 25 years since it's been started, now, all, all, you know, artists, authors, filmmakers, all kinds of different creative people are able to use their gifts, their skills, their talents, and they are enriching the community around them because they have invested in that community. And it's in terms of economic capital, but also cultural capital, and they are preserving and protecting something that is really vital. So the fact is, Arts and cultural assets are community, and um, having a community community of creatives is just as important as economic assets. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to bring to express yourself today in talking about community, because I just thought about that. I mean, we are a community here at Express Yourself Teen Radio. We are a community at Voice America, being on the Empowerment Channel. And as such, we all support each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like, behind that, um, you know, with bringing, like, galleries and stuff to those uh, less economically developed areas and things like that, I think, like, the symbolism behind those actions is really cool. Because, like, art and museums and galleries, like, you touched upon this, it's kind of seen as, like, this kind of elitist thing where right. it's not always cheap to go to a museum. Um, it's very you know, If you're not, like... If you're not super top class, then don't even, like, think about buying art. But, you know, extending it down to, like, everyone throughout the entire area is a really nice way of, you know, kind of reaching out to them. Right. And and I think, Kenneth, what I think what excited me so much about this is that with all of these examples that I just shared, they are all established in downtrodden areas, in places that most people do not want to walk, right? And you definitely wouldn't want to be there at nighttime. <laughs> and so what they've done, and but, but there are people who live there that have to live there. And they, you know, they were in unsafe environments. But by artists moving in and these creatives creating these lovely gardens and these museums that were available to everyone and putting on showcases and having plays. I mean, not everybody can afford $150 or more to go see a performance, right, at a major yeah. theater. But you can probably you can go and watch something for free when people are are gathering together as a community of of actors or um, playwrights or whatever. So to me this was really exciting um, that they 
that they've created this in these places. And by doing such, they've brought a community together and they brought the economic situation for that area to a higher standard. Yeah, and I think it really like exemplifies how you don't even have to be like this super, super talented artist or anything. You can kind of just be a part of the community by like enjoying the art. Yes, and you can just be yourself. And that was and that was the thing about these is that they welcome everyone to come and show showcase their skills, their talents, their gifts, whatever you think your art is. So you could be a storyteller, you could be a puppeteer, you could be an acrobat, you know. I mean, and like I love gardening, you can be a gardener. <laughs> so it's like everybody has something special and that's what Be The Star You Are is all about. We're always exemplifying the fact that each of us is a star, that each of us has something unique inside of us and that we all have the ability and the responsibility to share our talents. And these people in, in these communities have created that community in order for others to share that talent. And to me, that is really special and so beautiful and such a wonderful way. And, and I think that we, again, I want to just give uh, Be The Star You Are and Express Yourself Teen Radio and Voice America a shout out because what we've done is created a community with Express Yourself to give young people a voice so that the world will listen. And I thank you, Kenneth, for offering your voice as a host and as a reporter here on Express Yourself. You're very, very talented and, um, and you're awesome. And you're, you're also just bringing some really good information to the global space. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. And, and I, thank think you for we're, I think with that, we're out of time. But please, everyone, join our community at BeTheStarYouAre.org and visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. And Kenneth, I'm going to let you take it away. Yeah. And we'll be back as always. The fun doesn't just stop here. Uh, we give our thanks to Stasla Productions, uh, to you, Cynthia, our producer. Okay, thank you. Be the star you are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Yay, Josh! Yay, Josh! Yeah. Uh, thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. Uh, you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, Go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Remember to appreciate those around you, create community, speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.